You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is going on? It is your boy, your host, Sosa Cremendez. I'm a fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus and your host of the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Welcome back to another episode here at the Locked On Rams podcast. This is going to be your Thursday episode for this week. And you guys know how we do Thursdays around here, especially as we get closer to the 2021 NFL Draft. This is going to be your big board Thursday episode, as well as some other stuff that I wanted to throw in. There were some interesting comments from general manager Les Snead on the 11 Personnel podcast that's hosted by Jordan Rodrigue and Rich Hammond, both of The Athletic. Some very interesting stuff about the new quarterback addition in Matthew Stafford, but we'll talk about that later. For now, I definitely want to dive into the Big Board Thursday update, and I've done it a little bit differently this week. I looked at the Big Board, and instead of just stacking the names vertically like I had it before, one, two, three, sort of going numerically, I've decided to break the names up into tiers, and so far I've got Tier 1, Tier 2, and Tier 3, meaning... I've slid in every prospect that I've watched in one of these tiers, and I think it's just a better way for us to be able to compare and contrast between which picks I think make sense at which time, right? So the guys that are in the tier one category, you know, they're all acceptable picks, maybe let's say at the 57th pick or any pick really after that. Obviously, if you're good at the 57th pick, you're going to be a quality pick at any spot in the draft. So You know, I look at it like that. It's not necessarily one prospect versus the next. It's more so a group of prospects. And if you feel good about having four, five, six, seven plus guys in one tier, you know, maybe it allows the Rams or maybe it allows you to feel more comfortable trading back and ultimately think that you may be able to still land one of these guys. And so that's kind of the way I've decided to break it up from here. I think it makes a lot more sense. And so we'll begin with the tier one players. I've added a few new names and I'll mention them as we go. Offensive tackle, Christian Derrissaw. Center, Landon Dickerson. Edge rusher, Jason Owe. New addition, cornerback, Asante Samuel Jr. I finally got to scout him. We'll break down his game in depth in just a moment. Center, Creed Humphrey. Offensive tackle, Dylan Radins. Wide receiver, Rondale Moore. And offensive tackle, Jalen Mayfield. Going into tier two, offensive tackle, Jackson Carmen. Interior offensive lineman, Kendrick Green, who I talked about last week, but now I finally threw him in a tier. Wide receiver Dwayne Eskridge, linebacker Jabril Cox, edge rusher Ronnie Perkins, linebacker Jameen Davis, and then tier three, the final tier, linebacker Dylan Moses, edge rusher Rashad Weaver, edge rusher Joseph Osai, wide receiver Tutu Atwell, offensive tackle Walker Little, and wide receiver Anthony Schwartz, another new name who I just got to watch recently. And I've kind of picked my guys to watch strategically. You know, we know the prospects that have met with the Rams. Obviously, we've talked about it here over the last week and really over the last few weeks, we have a big database of names now that the Rams have met with some people twice. And it's probably fair to expect that some of these guys are going to be, you know, at the top of their list at certain rounds at certain picks. And so I figured let's get ahead of the game. Let's watch some of these players, get an idea of what these guys are, who they are. And when draft time rolls around, if the Rams happen to eventually select one of these guys, 
Well, you know, we're going to have some quick hitting information, some stuff that I can share right off the bat in terms of what I thought of these guys pre-draft. And talking about that, we can dive right into some of the new names here. And the number one name that we have to highlight is cornerback Asante Samuel Jr. out of FSU. We know that the Rams have interviewed him twice now. Probably means that they're very interested in potentially drafting him and you know, I'm going to assume that if he doesn't go in the end of the first round, he's probably going to go in the second, probably going to be taken by the time the Rams even get on the board. But I think the Rams are keying in on a guy like Samuel if he does last to number 57 overall. Probably one of the two or three names that I think they would feel very good about sitting put and actually drafting at that spot, him and Quinn Miners being the other, probably really nobody else to be quite honest with you. So I finally got to watch Samuel. I watched three games and I really, really like his tape. That's why he ended up in tier one near the top of the list for me. He's got experience lining up on both sides of the field and in the nickel spot. Plenty of experience on all positions. He's lined up in press coverage and in off coverage. Plenty. Nice mix and match of both. He's very patient at the line of scrimmage. Has a clean transition from his chopping feet and to opening his hips and working vertical. He's a physical player who's a willing tackler even at his smaller stature. Smooth hips allows for a quick transition and seamless transitions. Does a good job of working to identify screens and he has very good explosion working forward to actually go make a tackle on screen plays. Small stature, maybe best suited in the nickel spot in the NFL. Obviously a very good potential addition for the Rams with Troy Hill leaving. He was the nickel corner for the Rams. He's got excellent ball skills. Creates a lot of explosion out of his T-step when actually working backwards and that allows him to break on the ball quickly. Very springy athlete, good in short area transitions and very agile. Does a good job of using his hands and his arms in phase to squeeze wide receivers towards the sideline and does a good job at attaching himself at the hip to wide receivers. Very good eye discipline, trusts his IQ and ability to read formations, etc. And very active hands at the line of scrimmage. He could probably do a little bit more effective of a job of trying to reroute wide receivers into tougher spots and you know trying to actually have them work a little bit more when they're trying to release, but... Man, there are not that many holes in his game outside of the actual fact that he's just a smaller player. I'm very intrigued by what Asante Samuel brings to the table for whoever drafts him. And I honestly think he's a perfect fit for what the Rams do at the cornerback spot. I think with his IQ, his ball skills, his ability to break out of his T-step really quickly and has so much explosion, that really fits tremendously with what the Rams want to do on defense. You leave him in zone coverage like you do with everyone else. Let him sort of roam that field play some of that zone match style of concept defense where he can pounce on a ball quickly when he sees a quarterback start to go through his throwing motion. I think he would be a very natural and seamless fit for the Rams in that nickel cornerback spot. And ultimately, you know, this is a passing league. You better be able to try and stop passing attacks. And if you are successful in the NFL these days, you're probably one, a good passing offense and or to a very good pass defense, and that's what the Rams were last year. And something tells me with all of the cornerback interviews and meetings that they've had so far going into this draft process, they're very likely to draft a cornerback. And the number one cornerback that I've watched so far has to be Asante Samuel, and he is easily one of my favorite potential picks at that number 57 spot. And talking about actual explosive passing offenses as well as trying to contain passing offenses, the next segment is going to be spent talking about Auburn wide receiver Anthony Schwartz, who the Rams have also hosted for a pre-draft meeting. We're going to take a deep dive and break down his game in depth. And while we've got you, make sure to come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. You can find me at QB's MEP and you can find the page at Locked on Rams. Folks, are you having any car troubles? Do you ever go outside to find your car tires flat or your car won't start? 
Well, you should absolutely check out rockauto.com for your service needs. Rock Auto is a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. That is accurate, 20 years. You heard me correctly. As we know, there is no better time than right now to support family-owned businesses with the strange whole pandemic stuff that's hit us recently. And if you are a do-it-yourselfer or a professional and you're simply looking for reliably low prices, you should just go check out Rock Auto. Go to their website and check out all of their available parts. If you have a need, it's very likely that they've probably got it. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us so they know we sent you. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to the second segment of this Big Board Thursday episode of the Locked On Rams podcast. As always, I appreciate you guys for listening and tuning back in with me here, Sosa Kremenges at the Locked On Rams pod. And we're going to spend this segment, like I mentioned before the break, talking about former Auburn wide receiver Anthony Schwartz, a very interesting player, I feel like, going into this draft process. Ever since the whole Tyreek Hill development in Kansas City, I mean, the guy is basically unstoppable. I don't know how you guard him, to be quite honest with you. I don't even think there is a way to actually guard him. It feels like all these teams have sort of prioritize speed a little bit more. And, you know, some teams have done this dating back to the beginning of the decade. You look at some of those Philadelphia Eagles teams in the early 2010s, Deshaun Jackson, now a Ram, ironically enough, Jeremy Macklin, two wide receivers that are running four threes. You had Michael Vick at quarterback, one of the all-time great athletes at the quarterback spot. LaShawn McCoy in the backfield, another guy that runs a 4-3. I mean, there have been some track teams in the NFL in the past, but I feel like the closer we get to this passing revolution the more teams want to throw the football the more they go into these shotgun spread type formations the more they prioritize speed and you know I've even seen a mock draft with Anthony Schwartz going in the first round and now that just seems absolutely insane to me to be quite honest with you insanely rich for his projection I really feel bad for a fan base if their team does take a guy like Anthony Schwartz that early I don't expect him to be a first round pick I ultimately think he will drop to day three maybe a fourth-round pick, maybe a sixth-round pick. I'm not really sure, but you know, when I watched this game, I came away just wanting more, and it makes sense because, well, nobody has the guy going in the first round other than that one mock draft that I seen, and now I can't recall who it was from, but that was an outlier. Let's be honest here. Schwartz is not regularly drafted in any of the first or second or even third rounds, really, of the mock drafts that I've seen, and I've looked at a lot of them. So, you know, I think he's a firmly entrenched day three player and he has a role going into the NFL and that's going to be working vertical right he's a very very fast player maybe the fastest player in this entire draft class and that's obviously going to be his separating point and the thing that he can lean on going into the league because he does a very good job of eating up cushions against cornerbacks and you know he can stack cornerbacks because he's so fast but he just leaves so much to be desired as an actual wide receiver I don't think he's anywhere near near a finished product I mean he's a huge work in progress a big developmental style piece I actually don't know if he returned any kicks or punts at Auburn doesn't really strike me as a guy that would maybe have all that much success in one of those roles because I don't think he's that great in terms of short area burst he is more of like a straight line speed type of a guy And, you know, ultimately, I just don't know if he's going to be a great kick or punt returner at the next level. But when you actually look at him on offense, he's insanely fast. Like I mentioned, tremendous top end speed. He uses that to win vertically. The one issue, and 
amongst many actually he just plays way too upright for me he has no semblance of sinking his hips and creating more explosion in and out of his breaks with you know using that route running using his hips properly actually sinking them as he transitions out of his breaks not very good in my opinion he's got experience playing in the slot and on the boundary so that's good after watching him, I swear to you, in three snaps, I knew exactly who he played like, and that is Andy Isabella of the Arizona Cardinals, a former second-round pick. I want to say that might be incorrect off the top of my head, but Isabella has been largely a disappointment with the Cardinals. He's a vertical style of receiver, very fast as well, and he just looks very similar. I mean, the way they break out of their routes and the route stems, the way they work vertical, just the way they look when they run, Super similar in my opinion. That's my pro comp for him, Andy Isabella. He's got some concentration drops that, you know, usually on shorter routes, it looked like a lot of slants or mesh style concepts where he was just running simple crossers where I don't know if he was just afraid of going over the middle and he would sort of take his eye off the ball, but a couple of drops there that I did not enjoy watching. Doesn't really do a great job of attacking leverage against cornerbacks. That's part of the whole rawness in his route running. I don't think he understands positioning or leverage very well when it comes to that route running aspect, as well as, like I mentioned, the sinking of the hips and trying to break and make more explosion out of his breaks. It leaves a lot to be desired in that regard. Needs a lot of refinement as a route runner. I wanted to see a lot more versus press coverage. Simply didn't face it that often, and when he did, wasn't exactly great. You know, he has a nice speed release, but other than that, you know, he leaves a lot to be desired in terms of his release packages. Not necessarily just a deep threat. You know, he has some value in the underneath game as well. Ran, like I mentioned, a lot of those crossers on mesh style concepts, has some slants in there, has the ability to actually run some of that gadget style, you know, usage where he's going to have some jet sweeps, some screens designed for him, that kind of stuff because he's so athletic. But you know, very raw in terms of what he ran in his route tree as well. Going to need to develop a much larger route tree at the next level. Question if he has special teams return man value. Not saying that he doesn't, but I don't know if he does or doesn't. If he does, that would obviously make a lot more sense as to why the Rams are actually interested in potentially drafting him. That would fit the mold of what they've looked at at most receivers, you know, in this pre-draft process. Speedy guys, vertical guys, and guys that can Probably do a little bit of that gadget style stuff, but also return men. You know, the route tree, like I mentioned, not extensive. Struggled at the line of scrimmage versus press coverage against Southern Carolina. Clearly needs a lot of work in that regard. Got rerouted way too easily. You know, that's, like I mentioned, kind of just the theme here. Does a good job of extending his hands to actually attack the ball, which is a good thing. And he can create yak occasionally, meaning yardage after the catch. Not by tackle breaking ability, but by pure speed. And, you know, when I compare him to another guy who's sort of similar, a gadget style guy, smaller, probably not going to be a legitimate true three down wide receiver, a return man in Tutu Atwell, who the Rams also interviewed. I actually think Atwell is significantly better to be quite honest with you I think he's much better nuanced as a route runner has a lot more production in his arsenal going back to his time at Louisville has some special teams return value we know that for a fact and you know while he's smaller a lot smaller than Schwartz actually is both in height and weight I don't think that Schwartz knows how to actually use that size to his advantage so 
The difference in size between him and Atwell, in my opinion, you know, it's not really a factor as of right now. So to me, I think Atwell is significantly better in that day three range as a explosive gadget style weapon, a vertical style wide receiver, a return man, a guy that could have a lot of fun with a Matthew Stafford at quarterback, someone who's going to look to push that ball vertical every single time. And I'm glad that we're going to segue that into the final segment because general manager Les Snead of the Los Angeles Rams had some very interesting comments to share on the 11 personnel podcast about his new quarterback in Matthew Stafford. And while we've got you, make sure to check back in with us on Friday tomorrow when we host our mailbag episode for the Locked on Rams pod. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's also free to sign up. You just got to go ahead to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. That's BetOnline.ag. The NFL Draft is weeks away. It's time to start following our Locked On NFL Draft Duo. The Draft Dudes podcast watches every prospect so that you don't have to. And the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast is your daily draft news and mock draft podcast. Follow the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to the final segment of this Thursday episode of the Locked On Rams Podcast. I appreciate you guys for sticking around this long and making it into the third segment where we're going to wrap up with some interesting comments from General Manager Les Nee talking about his new addition at quarterback in Matthew Stafford and this was said on the 11 personnel podcast like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode you guys can find that on the internet or wherever you want really I guess probably wherever they host podcasts it's by Jordan Rodriguez and Rich Hammond of The Athletic both of them they do a great job over there and I really appreciate their work so shout out to them for actually getting less need and making this possible and available to us and it's very fascinating because we know Stafford is 33 years old And I feel like maybe me more than anyone questioned how much desire for football he really had left. Not to say that this guy doesn't like football or anything. It's more so, you know, I'm curious how many more years we were going to end up seeing Matthew Stafford play because he's a guy that struck me as someone that, you know, maybe had three or four years left in him and he might have retired a little bit earlier than, you know, some of these other legendary quarterbacks like Drew Brees and Tom Brady and all these other guys we've seen play up until 40 years old, 39, 41, whatever the case was. I thought Stafford might want to hang it up a little bit earlier, maybe at 37, even though he may still be able to do it athletically and in terms of the arm I simply thought that, you know, this is a guy that has a family. He might want to just move on and venture onto other things. And Les Snead sort of hinted at that. He said when they made the move to go get Stafford, you know, they were looking at five to eight years down the line. He actually was quoted saying, I don't think we did it thinking two years. Based on his age, you can legitimately think five to seven, eight years if you look at what Drew has done. I don't know if we're going to get into Tom Brady, right? Too many things going. But with quarterbacks of his pedigree, a lot of those guys have played into their late 30s for sure. So that was definitely the vision with Matt. And that is obviously fascinating and good news for Rams fans because Stafford, you know, if he does end up playing until he's 37, 38, 39 years old even, you're going to have a good quarterback for, you know, the foreseeable future for the next five, six seasons. And Matthew Stafford is a guy that has a lot of talent. You could do a lot worse than Matthew Stafford. And at the same time, you know, it kind of extends that potential Super Bowl window for the Rams instead of just the next year or two, like a lot of people 
mainly the you know national media have kind of proclaimed the Rams could have a Super Bowl window for the next four, maybe five years. Who knows? If you have a quarterback, you're always going to be a contender. And so far, you know, things have been good with the Rams and Stafford. And ultimately, it's good news to actually hear that there may be interest in actually extending that contract because Stafford only has two years left on his contract this year and the next year. And obviously, if he's going to be playing until 37 and the Rams view him as a long-term answer, not just a immediate short-term guy, they're going to look to extend that contract. Maybe not right now, maybe not until the offseason, maybe not even until next season. But eventually, you know, if they do want to keep him around until his age 36, 37 season, 38 season, going to get a new deal and ultimately will be stuck with the Rams for the foreseeable future. Sneed also talked about sort of the Stafford availability and the fact that they actually want to go move on from Jared Goff in favor of adding a guy like that because they weren't going to try to just dump Jared Goff for nothing. They actually wanted to go get a guy of Stafford's caliber. He was actually quoted saying, to do a move of that magnitude involving quarterbacks, specifically involving Jared, there definitely needed to be a Matthew Stafford on the other end. We were not going to be stronger by moving Jared for a draft pick per se. That wasn't the case. And I think it did take someone of Matt Stafford's pedigree, ability, experience, all of those things, skill set to make that move. And, you know, that kind of just reaffirms where we're at here. The Rams still value Jared Goff, I think. But even with that being said, I do think they would have moved on from Jared Goff regardless. I think they felt comfortable at worst going into this season with John Wolford and maybe signing some sort of a veteran don't know who. Maybe it could have been a Cam Newton. Maybe it could have been a Tyrod Taylor. Heck, maybe they could have traded for somebody else. I'm not really sure, but I think the Rams were pretty much done with Jared Goff. Now, you know, it made it a lot easier because Stafford was available and Stafford is like your prototypical Sean McVay quarterback where, you know, he's going to be able to stick in the pocket. He's going to be able to extend plays, be a little bit mobile when he needs to be. He's got enough arm to make throws on all three levels into small spaces and tight windows where some quarterbacks just can't, can work under center in play action, can work in the shotgun, probably prefers that. So he's clearly a guy that fits what Sean McVay wants. And ultimately, I think it just made it a lot easier for the Rams and made them feel actually a lot more comfortable with just getting rid of the Jared Goff experiment, finally flipping that page in the book and saying, let's go get our new guy. And now we have someone that the fan base can rally around as opposed to trying to sell the idea of going into 2021 with an actually filled SoFi Stadium and telling people, you know, this is our quarterback. It's John Wolford, a guy who has one career start in his life, and we really have no idea what to expect at this point. So makes a lot of sense that Les Need dropped some of these interesting tidbits and nuggets, but you guys can go listen to the entire podcast. I would suggest that you do. A lot of interesting stuff there. Always good to hear Les Need sort of elaborate on where the Rams are right now and some of the thought processes that they had going into this season. He also talks about the Austin Blythe situation as well, some other things. So great job by Jordan and Rich for sharing that and for interviewing Les Need for us. That is all we got for you guys on this Thursday episode of the Locked on Rams podcast. As always, you guys know I appreciate you for sticking around to the end of the episode. And make sure to go send me some sort of questions, whether that's on my personal Twitter at QBsMEP or the page at Locked on Rams for tomorrow's mailbag. I'll make sure to get through as many questions as I possibly can. You guys always send over some good ones, so it's very fun to actually get to answer those for you guys. While we've got you, make sure to check back tomorrow for that mailbag episode, and please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.